Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Come on, Barbie. Let's go party. Ah, 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 ah. Wizard, Holden McNeely. Hey, look at that. It's new. Weird foot Barbie. She's hobbling. She's limping. Weird foot Barbie. Get a weird foot tonight. Weird foot Barbie comes with all accessories. Batteries not included. Wait, does that come with a Little Caesars Bigfoot pizza? Please tell me it was a tie. No, it's weird foot Barbie. Weird <laughs> foot Barbie. It was the special Barbie they released for children with weird ganked up feet. Yeah, don't get the weird foot pizza from Little Caesars. That thing's covered in just like Skittles and like fucking <laughs> parts from the board game Mousetrap. Ironically enough, weird foot Barbie couldn't fit into any of normal Barbie's shoes, which led to a lot of controversy. <laughs> but we'll get into that later. Uh, it's the Barbie episode. Jake, introduce our new co-host for the day. And I'm Mitch. <laughs> Don't you ever say that. Don't you ever say that. Just because there's a weird plastic baby attached to your stomach at all times doesn't mean you're Midge. Just remove my stomach shell. It pops right out. <laughs> oh, my wonderful partner, fiance supreme, the prettiest dang gal in the whole universe. Marie, how you doing? Good. How about you? Also known as twitch.tv slash oopmarie, the number one co-working stream in the universe where you can hang out Monday through Thursday and get cool stuff done. But, you know, I'm just plugging. I'm just plugging whatever. There you go. Get some plugs in up top. We have to absolutely and uh i'm thrilled to have you on to talk about barbie so it's obviously because it's not just too i mean and also too honest i wish i was one of those kids who were like yeah but i was cool you know what i mean i play with gi joes and barbies no terrified of barbies they were for girls <laughs> and god forbid i show a single sign of femininity mm -hmm. oh, as god. a young boy the in the creeping 90s. the creeping horror of walking into a toys r us taking a wrong turn at the <laughs> fucking nintendo <laughs> counter and just hitting the wall of glitter and pink that was the barbie aisle and just as a as a boy whose masculinity is so fucking fragile the idea that like anybody would be like hey everybody he's shopping for dolls let's knock <laughs> him you just run out of there. Yeah, I think things have changed Ugh. for the better with that kind of stuff. But yes, back in the day, there was such a fucking delineation between what was an acceptable toy to play with as a boy versus a girl it was ridiculous. And I didn't have the sister. And that's the other way the boys got in on the Barbies. They had the sister, so they got to explore some sort of sexuality issues and things like that as well. You know what I mean? With the clothes clothe removal and all. I missed out on a lot of fun stuff. The only thing I had was my mom ended up babysitting a, a, a younger girl 
uh, when I, 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 sl- I did a sleepover at someone's house that night, but when I came back and they had gone to the Blockbuster earlier that night and rented a Sega Genesis game and it was a Barbie Sega Genesis game and we actually watched a playthrough of it on YouTube during the Sunday study session, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Every Sunday you get to join us for just $15 a month. Uh, and um, I beat it in 20 minutes. <laughs> And I couldn't believe how like bad, you know, just dumb and bad it was. And that's kind of it until this movie's coming out. So wait, Marie, is that the weird shopping one? Maybe it was like a platformer. I think it had a. There was like a car level, wasn't there, Jake? We, yeah, yeah. Remember? In the Genesis one, there was the car level where you are driving to the right and collecting stars. I had experience with the LJN Nintendo one where you throw a little like trinkets that would either help feed animals or if you threw the trinkets at a. Uh, living clothes they would stop trying to murder you because it was all happening in barbie's nightmare realm. wow yeah no i played a barbie video game uh that my that was the one time my brother let me use the console and now i can't remember which one it was but uh, i think if it were uh clothes that were trying to kill me i would have remembered sorry please continue. <laughs> oh no, no well, well we'd like you to continue yeah. marie because we, you're the one who has to give the gush on this week's episode i'm because jake i'm guessing you also very little interaction with barbie up until getting hyped for this movie well i had two sisters and it was during the 80s, 90s uh, kind of crest of the full Barbie core Barbie that we now associate with the brand. So obviously my toy box was filled with like mangled torsos and like half forgotten Barbies with like hair colored and like weird markers because this is like something key to the Barbie experience. Everybody thinks that they have like a dark secret with their Barbies. Like, <laughs> like, oh, I tore the heads off and like, I feel bad about it. Or like, I immediately took the clothes off of it. Or like my brother found mine and like lit a firecracker and like tried to blow her up. Like there's something about Barbie where like without exception, everybody has done some Freudian weird bullshit with a, with these dolls. And it is so collectively shared and yet so collectively like this shameful secret that, um, I'm just going to I'm just going to play my fucking uh, thesis statement. Uh, It's Barbie, the tiny woman's body that you hand to children and like all the things that you can impose on a woman's body will happen to a Barbie. Ooh, that is fascinating that you put it like that, because I was going to come at it from a complete. So so often. Oh, my God. Where do I launch into this? First of all. If you want me to talk about, do you want me to talk about my personal history with Barbie, my fraught relationship with my mother around Barbie, <laughs> or Barbie's legacy? Yeah, there's something about Barbie that's like literally triggering in all these weird ways. Like they, it just it catches all these different issues mm-hmm. with when it comes to, uh, especially particularly like women, the feminine ideal, rela- yeah, mother daughter relationship, all this kind of stuff. And especially, I think it's because like we're fan, you're you're putting put in the place to try to fantasize about like what your adult life might be like mm-hmm. whereas I wanted to fantasize about being a mutant turtle mm-hmm. that uses ninja skills under the guidance of a talking rat to take down uh, something called a foot clan so I wasn't really thinking that was going to be where I was headed by the age of 23 mm-hmm. you know what I mean so yeah let's start with your personal relationship with Barbie okay you've actually tapped into something very specific to the Barbie experience where like Barbie allowed oh my god so my personal experience i had barbies i had the 1985 dream house or whatever i had a bunch of them i played with them i played with friends like i can remember also having totally hair barbie like but i wasn't 
a massive Barbie enthusiast. My mother, however, uh, grew up with one dollar store knockoff Barbie and like the hand was chewed off. <laughs> so when she had me and she had some money, she bought me every Barbie that she could find. And even after I lost interest, she continued to buy Barbies. She bought collectible Barbies. She set up like dioramas for them. She had like disco Barbies and she made like a little checkerboard floor for them with a disco ball, (laughs) everything. Like she was fully in the fantasy. And again, it's like it was more her living out her childhood desires and what Barbie meant to her than anything that it meant to me because I grew up in the era of sure women can be anything. That's what we're told since we were born. But the first generation of Barbie little girls did not have that. Barbie represented something new. It was, you could be, you could be anything was a new message instead of just mother. (laughs) So yeah. So it was her as my mother and my mom was a stay at home mom, Mm. but she was like, but I want this Barbie for you because I want, you know, you'd be able to think you can do anything. Like everything is open to you. And she was literally like she was mother like that was her title. But she wanted more than that for me. And that's what Barbie represented to her because of the job, the jobs and everything that Barbie has. Yeah. And all that kind of stuff. And that they, I, the concept that it is her dream home. Right. She bought herself, mm-hmm. you know, assume, assuming and, and car and everything. I, you don't know that. Maybe Ken just bought a pink Corvette and Barbie is borrowing it. You don't know that. I mean, Ken has an OnlyFans in my lore <laughs> uh, that he uses to supply money for the house, you know. But um, weirdly enough, ball picks. That's his big thing. I don't even understand. It's a new trend. He's just a lump down there. Yeah. There's <laughs> ball nothing this character. Ken Carson. Yeah. Boy, he tapes fake balls. I don't know how it works. I'm still working out the lore in my own head. But, uh, uh, yeah, but yeah, that is kind of that is kind of interesting. Did it feel that way for you, Marie? It it Barbie was a perfect uh, way to act out stories. Mm. It was just it was it like in any toy play, like as a child, it was always about narratives and relationships. And Barbie was just like the perfect stand-in for that, right? So and continued to be. So while I didn't feel it in this like grand, oh God, I have one story. Oh my God. It's actually a very short story. And I know you're going to get into this, but with body image, I Mm -hmm. just remember being a chubby little kid and looking at Barbie and thinking, well, if all the Barbies are thin, maybe when I grow up a little bit, I'll Uh. just naturally lose the weight because that's what Barbie looks like. That was a lie. That did not happen. (laughs) That didn't even come close to happening. But yeah, no, it was, it, it. It didn't feel as grand. It felt more like this is supposed to be a reflection of me and Barbie was perfect. So it was either I am perfect or, you know, I I can be perfect. It kind of went back and forth in my head. Well, that's weird because, you know, I played with a lot of Batman action figures, not Dolph's action figures when I was a kid. And now if you look, if you lift up my shirt, I have a perfect chiseled six pack. There you go. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that too. Absolutely. Don't let anybody who saw the live show where I take my shirt off tell you otherwise. And I've got green feet with two giant toes instead of uh, five smaller ones. And that's from playing with the Ninja Turtles. You are very good at nunchucks. Don't let anybody take that away from you. So as you got older, like how did your relationship or your view of Barbie change through this time? I mean, even up to today, because I think this movie is going to deal with... Um, 
Interestingly enough, this movie apparently seems to be a lot about uh, self-identity and like one sense of who they are Mm -hmm. and finding that and whatnot and just kind of going into a totally fascinating area thanks to Noah Baumbach and Greta, especially Greta Gerwin, um, who co-wrote it and then Greta Gerwin who... uh, uh, is directing it. So it's like, finally, let's not, because man, this could have been, and I feel like that, that deal was made by the way, around the time where there was like a, uh, candy land, like movie in the world. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was a time when they were just trying to like battleship movie. Like they were just trying mm-hmm. to ha- just hawk all these shitty movie adaptation concepts, but they just, it just happened to get into the right hands eventually. But how did your view of Barbie change? Like, especially as you got more into, feminism and you know all these sort of uh challenging conversations to have around women and body issues and identity and all this kind of stuff like did you grow a disdain for the barbe or was it always like oh yeah that was my nostalgia that was like this kind of uh part of my childhood so i i had the barbies i mild interest mild disinterest then came the stage where I rejected all things pink and feminine and anything uh-huh. related to because you because you had to because it wasn't cool. Which is hilarious because I'm looking right now. You have giant pink headphones. So you're the mo- it's the most like pretty pink white walls, but it's still very like there's a pink pillow in the back I see as well. Yeah, it's it's it came back a month. But this is the eternal struggle with Barbie because as I've gotten older and I've recognized that traditionally feminine things aren't necessarily to be afraid of. You know, not not. I don't have to reject them. I can enjoy those things. Um, it's it's also the struggle because when I went to go buy these pretty pink headphones, my choices were like black, black with neon green, uh, white with neon green, or pink. Like the option for something that wasn't like very clearly like gamer dude headphone right. like was pink right. which is limiting right but this is I'm, I'm happy that this is a pretty color but like it's limiting that's limiting that that's the option available to me yeah it was weird i found these one headphones i really like because they sound good but there's these two giant dicks yeah. hanging off <laughs> <Essentially>. <laughs> i was like what is going on with that you know what i mean we don't have to get so i don't want the dick it. headphones <laughs> come you on don't, you don't want to know how you adjust the volume on those <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that I mean that's already its own issue. Well, now we're just having to like gamer gender <laughs> bullshit, which is its own issue for sure. But Barbie can be a gamer. Barbie is a vlogger. Barbie is a well, no, Skipper's the app programmer. Skipper is decidedly the techie uh, part of the family now. But N- nobody pays attention to the actual lore, right? Because it's not about it's not about the lore with Barbie, right? It's that Barbie can be anything. Barbie is protagonist. Mm. That is her main role, her main function in all play and all representation presentation everything yeah she is the cipher she is the perfect version of whatever she is you can insert yourself like into her story upon her and that's it but unfortunately on top of that math is tough (laughs) and she literally couldn't walk with her current proportions you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so that that you have to apply that to it as well so there's these subtle things that it feels like at least the 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 men behind the the you know, production are trying to kind of push a little bit on uh, on people. So they they sell it as that. They sell it as she's whatever you project mm-hmm. onto her, and she's a like you know she's she. I almost said girl boss, and I was like I don't even want to say that phrase. She is a you know astronaut and a biologist, mm-hmm. and you know what I mean. So there's it's this weird conflicting duality. Is she? This awful representation of the male gaze and like and 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 women in society and this 
in this very sexual way because of her DNA is that. And I think that so it'll always and we'll get into build Lily in this a little is, bit. I'm, I'm bringing this back to my original point, which is, gosh, who'd have thought this tiny representation of a woman's body could uh, evoke so many weird conflicting things. <laughs> yes. And, and and it's just so funny because, again, I mean, we've done, our, not to bring up Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles too much, but that's my personal touchstone. I mean, you could make it other stuff, but I think that's the wackiest one for what I'm trying to say. And then, like, I don't think any of that exists in playing with Ninja Turtles. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, we don't have a complicated relationship with the Ninja Turtle in 2023. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just such a unique toy in that way that I don't think any other toy captures quite as much. G.I. Joe, I think you can make some arguments for with the just the militarization stuff and just kind of that like Oh, Barbie served in the stuff. military. Yeah, Bar- did Barbie serve? Around Desert Storm, they had Marine Barbie, Air Force Barbie, Army Barbie. Right. I mean, she was a medic in most of yeah. those, but like still. But with G.I. Joe, there are sides, there are characters, there are like distinct storylines. With Barbie, there's yeah. no there's yes. no arch villain. There's no... There's nothing. Yeah. It's just Ken, oh. is, Ken is the arm candy. And, I mean, but that's, again, you're like, wow, she's got arm candy. He's not, she isn't the arm candy. Candy. Oh, yeah. He's the arm candy. There's like little subtle things that are like, that's kind of cool. Like that's a cool concept for maybe maybe uh, girls to see or whatever. You know, one thing I thought was really interesting before we get into the nitty gritty was uh, Margot Robbie when she was, um, you know, working on the part and like figuring and she struggled trying to figure out like what her approach to the character was going to be. But when it came to like sexuality and like she's obviously very beautiful and she wears a lot of like really pretty looks and stuff in the movie. But she was like, my character doesn't have actual like female genitals. She doesn't have a Nordis kin. They're, they don't like if she's going to put a cute skirt on, it's going to be because she thinks that's fun, a fun look and something that she wants to just enjoy. There's no sexuality mm-hmm. behind it. You know what I mean? And and so many arguments can be made around that, around the the weird placement of sexuality onto things that aren't, you know, aren't necessarily like trying to be that, you know, in our society in general. Uh, and, and, and it's just like, yeah, that's the funny thing about them. I think it's very symbolic that they don't have actual genitalia. Of course they couldn't. I mean, it's for kids. But it's the fact that like all that stuff gets smoothed out and then we just have to like have the creepy <laughs> relationship around it that we all kind of have. But we, you know? we only have this creepy relationship around an adult woman yes, doll yes. because in our society, women are just, are, are automatically sexualized. Yes. Like that's, you can't That's have... kind of what I'm getting at. It's the same problem yeah. with people being like, j- immediately saying drag queens are a sexual thing. You know what I mean? When it's just like, men playing dress up as as women you know and sometimes it can be sexual but it's the automatic like uh uh placement of like this sex i don't want your this sex thing in front of my face all the time like get this thing out of here and it's like it's not sex it's just a guy that wanted to dress up like a woman because it's fun you know what i and mean and barbie is specifically smoothed out she is it, all all sex is erased from Barbie. Yeah. Like uh, with maybe some secondary characteristics, like a little more prominent. Yeah. But I yeah. mean, we're, are we going to talk about growing up Skipper? I was hoping we wouldn't talk about growing up Skipper. <laughs> well, I mean, that's why she's the exception, not the rule. But please <laughs> feel free to talk I, about Let's her. not. Yeah. Just Google it and regret Googling it. <laughs> 
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. Let's get into it. Barbie is a fashion doll made and distributed by Mattel, Inc. It was created by Ruth Handler and first hit shelves in 1959. But before Barbie, there was Build Lily first launched in 1952 in Germany. And this immediately is like why we're having these conversations Mm. around this immediately because this Barbie was based on this doll and this doll is based on a comic strip character that ran in the Bild Zeitung Hamburg. It was the Hamburg Germany newspaper Bild Zeitung. This character, however, was not for children at all. She was actually a sexy high-end call girl. Think like extremely horny version of like Blondie Mm -hmm. from like the comic strips. You know what I mean? This like just an an example of a Lily comic is a panel of her in a bikini next to a policeman who informs her bikinis are illegal to which she responds oh and in your opinion what part should I take off ah. uh, another example uh, would be uh, her in a changing behind a changing curtain but you see two hands raised above the curtain with a camera uh, to take pictures of her getting naked and she says I can definitely trust you not to peek right it's a lot like literally this is like the uh, the Bill Lilly doll was kind of like when you see trucker flaps and they have like the hot lady on them or whatever. It was like that kind of thing. It was like a gag gift for bachelor parties. It was something that dangled on horny guys. Uh, no, no. You know, you know what mirror. this is? The Bill Lilly was uh, at, at this point, probably close to 80 years before the rise of the weirdly horny anime figurine that like adult <laughs> men collect. Yes, and just that like, is today's version of it. Yes. It is explicitly for the male gaze and ex- explicitly for amusement just to be like, that's right. I find this cartoon character attractive and now I have a plastic totem of it. The doll could be bought in tobacco shops, bars, adult themed toy stores. It was completely marketed to men in that way. And the doll, it was just under a foot tall with platinum blonde hair, very busty proportions. She had red puckered lips and blue eyeshadow under very highly arched eyebrows. Uh, Instead of feet, uh, her feet were in like perma stiletto black heels. So that was one change. Uh, But I think even the very first Barbie was in in heels like that. Uh, And uh, despite the intended audience, the dolls became popular with children as well. And in 1956, a 15-year-old girl named Barbara Handler was on vacation in Switzerland when she spotted one and asked her mother, Ruth Handler, if she could have one. Uh, This is the way Ruth tells the story. 
Barbie, short for Barbara, Ruth's daughter's name, used to love to play with paper dolls. We went to the dime store together each Saturday, and I noticed that she always chose teenage dolls, never baby dolls or children dolls, and she and her friends used to play for hours with the teenage dolls. I listened to how they would project their future with their dolls. Finally, when Barbara was too old to play with dolls, 12 or 13, we took the children to Europe. We were walking down a street in Lucerne, and in the window of a toy store was a display of grown-up dolls with women's bodies. They were called Lily from a European cartoon and were wearing ski outfits. There were four or five different styles of ski outfits. I asked Barbara, would you like one for your room decoratively? She had a hard time choosing which one she wanted. So Ruth ended up taking three back home with them to California. So the the story gets like kind of twisted depending on who's asking. Uh, I feel like it was only in more modern times that Build Lily's role kind of became more prominent. Uh, in more uh, uh, so easily scandalized times, Ruth would talk about how her daughter Barbara would play with fashion dolls. And those were of uh, or uh, fashion paper dolls mm-hmm. where you would buy a book of outfits and a base like cardboard form that you could just do fashion, you know, put on outfits on. And it was her idea to like, oh, we should make this in the newfangled, uh, you know, uh, material of the material of the future plastic because the Mattel company uh, got their first start making uh, desktop items like clocks and awards and little things out of plastic, the newfangled thing. And I believe it was doll furniture they would make out of the scraps of plastic they had left over. Yeah, let me let me give that background on Ruth Handler and Mattel real quick. So Ruth Handler was born in Denver, Colorado to Polish Jewish immigrants. In 1916, she married her high school sweetheart and moved to Los Angeles in 1938. There she attended the Art Center School of Design and got a job as a secretary at Paramount Studios. This lady is crafty, bro. She is aggressive. She I'm so inspired by her just steadfastness and just just uh, uh, work ethic. So she gets this secretary job at Paramount Studios. Meanwhile, she started up a company called Elza which sold gift items and costume jewelry. And then her husband wanted to make some furniture for their home. And so, uh, and decided to use what you were just mentioning, the new plastics out on the market, Lucite and Plexiglass. And the project was so successful, Ruth was like, why don't we start up a furniture business? It'll be rad as hell. We'll get fucked up. You know what I mean? We'll get get drugs. We'll party. You know what I mean? I mean, their parents in the 40s and 50s, they were just constantly (laughs) wasted the entire time. Totally insane. Because they sold heroin over the counter back. Back in the day, they said it was a good sleep agent. They put Benzedrine in your sandwich if he asked him to. Yeah, yeah. If if the, if the baby came out, you could be like, "I'll sell him to you," and the doctor would usually buy the baby. It was a crazy time. So she would serve as head of sales. She did quite well, striking deals with companies like Douglas Aircraft, this sort of thing. So not not toy related, but during a dry spell in the furniture business, they decided to try their hand at picture frames. Kind of getting there, and with the leftover scraps from those pictures frames, they decided to try their hand at dollhouse furniture. So the company, Mattel, is founded in 1945 in uh, their garage in Los Angeles. It consisted of Ruth, her high school sweetheart husband, Elliot, and Harold Matt Matson. The name is a portmanteau of Matson and Elliot. Why is Ruth's name not involved at all? Well, because... It was, uh, you know, the 1950s. Uh, so the two guys got their name on the name, but not, uh, not the woman who invented Barbie, essentially, uh, which is so telling of the time and such a symbol for all of this. Uh, the bit, first big hit for the company came in 1947 with the Yuka Doodle. 
a colorful ukulele. Then they hit it big again with the distribution of the Magic 8-Ball starting in 1950. And uh, they were actually, and this really plays into, I feel like a lot of stuff we would talk about on like a G.I. Joe episode. I know we talked about on Transformers. They uh, started advertising on television when they became the first sponsor of the Mickey Mouse Club TV show. So they were also totally on the forefront of the toy advertising boom during this time period. And obviously we'll talk about Barbie commercials i mean they were fucking everywhere and that's because they were the they were kind of like they were like the you know get into podcasting early before anyone was doing it like they were doing that with like advertising toys to kids on television during children's programs specifically advertising toys to children yeah like getting around the hey parents if you want an enriching experience for your children to make sure they grow up into no they're just like right hey kids do you want to have fun 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 do you want all of your other friends to think you're the hottest shit on the block Buy our toys. Get your parents to buy our toys. Steal their wallets if you have to. These toys are the only thing standing between you and true happiness. That's right. Having trouble getting your child tuckered out at night? Try over-the-counter heroin. <laughs> It'll get them every time. They might want more and more of it as time goes on, but we've got the bigger box for when they're ready for it. <laughs> When your kids are tired and they're on the attack, <laughs> just get that monkey onto their back. <laughs> Heroin. <laughs> I thought you could say smack. Oh, smack but, also uh, works. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were going for smack. Uh, Ruth said, Barbara never did get the dolls. I took them to use as models for our people to show what I meant by an adult teenage doll. And by adult teenage doll, Ruth meant a doll that little girls could use to pretend to be older through like how kids play doctor or fireman or mama. Ruth said every little girl needed a doll through which to project herself into her dream of her future. If she was going to do role playing of what she would be like when she was 16 or 17, it was a little stupid to play with a doll that had a flat chest. So I gave it beautiful breasts. And she just go, and then I'm not gonna say what else she says about the breasts, but she just goes on and on and on about how beautiful really, this rack is. I, I mean, mean, it is unbelievable. This is I I don't know if we're gonna get to this part of her life, but uh, very famously after uh, Ruth Handler left the uh, company mm-hmm. due to some insane uh, SEC violations. Yeah, they were like uh, not reporting like, finances just legitimate properly. crimes, <laughs> um, just actual crimes. Uh, she, yeah, she was <laughs> diagnosed with breast cancer. And uh, after her mastectomy, started her own company to sell nearly me yeah. breast implants. That's what she ended up doing oh later. Because she crazy, was dissatisfied Marie? with what was on Isn't the market. That wild? That's wild. Yeah. Oh my god. Just yeah. weird. she's like, I just and she even has a quote about like, I just can't get away from breasts. <laughs> you know what I mean, or something. But yeah, yeah, that's totally. So she totally plastic. You know, use, yeah, it's crazy. Like using the materials, uh, put actual breasts on actual women. So, also, you mentioned that uh, I I forgot this weird factoid but yes barbie is named after barbara yes uh their their daughter but barbara millicent roberts yes yes (laughs) i love the millicent yeah ken is named after their son yeah it's weird which is that has to be a weird conversation at the dinner table in response to fan letters being like give barbie a boyfriend they were like sure and i'll name it the brothers yeah that was a little weird hey good news uh millions of little girls around the world are making you two kiss anyway (laughs) mama's got another business meeting Tell the nanny I said hi. Ruth said the idea of a doll with breasts was not well received. Most of the buyers for stores were men, and some.
some didn't think women would want their daughters to have a doll with breasts. And they themselves didn't want their daughters to have a doll. But when we first shipped the doll, it just walked off the shelves. And she means literally a uh, a witch cursed the dolls and they started... We're not doing... Ch- <laughs> Listen, we just watched Megan last night. Oh, hell Do not- yeah. Give us a Megan ass. Was that a weird uh, attempt backstory. to prepare for this episode or just It was in be... the Zeitgeist. Yeah, it was yeah. part of the Zeitgeist. That's so funny. Uh the first Barbie was introduced in New York City in 1959 at the annual Toy Fair. Uh you already said uh, Barbie's first name uh, or full name, uh Marie Barbara Millicent Roberts. She was eleven inches in height. She wore a black and white striped one-piece bathing suit. Uh her hair uh, you can definitely see like Margot Robbie sporting that look, by the way. Uh, in photo shoots and stuff. Her hair and features were inspired by 1950s glamour from the likes of Elizabeth Taylor and Marilyn Monroe. Uh, and yeah, immediately a, a, a pretty big hit. In the first year, 300,000 Barbie dolls were sold, and this paved the way for expansion. She also got her first television ad that same year, which featured a woman singing about growing up to be just like Barbie, adding, Till then, I know just what I'll do. Barbie, beautiful Barbie, I'll make believe that I am you. I mean, they were doing a lot of things that were, uh, you know, uh, smart from a capitalism standpoint at this point. They were using overseas uh, factories and, uh, you know, the post-war Japanese economic boom was starting then. So, like, they were getting prototypes using, you know, fancy and uh, what's it? It's not injection molding. It's like you put the plastic in the mold and then you rotate it. So you get this good even skin of plastic of the model as it pops out. The idea that they were going on the razor uh, kind of marketing model where you buy the doll and then the uh, doll clothes are way overpriced. But like now they're locked in. So all of these outfits coming in, you know, there's the fashion designer outfit. There's the evening gown. Uh, Stuff like the uh, original astronaut costume were all like part of these early moves. And it created just this beautiful ecosystem sold directly to kids. And uh, according to a lot of people, the moms were just as excited for these dolls. Right. Like it's it's kind of what you described, Marie, that like this this vision of femininity that is passed down from mother to daughter is just an extension of like how all of these, you know. You got to learn to play catch with your dad and you got to learn that you got to keep smiling for the love of God. Keep smiling from your mom. (laughs) And don't bother with math. It's It's tough. It's too hard for my woman brain. Listen, very few of those dolls actually said that. I know, this is it was just actually a ton Malibu of Malibu Stacy. Yeah, yeah, Malibu Stacy kind of kind of yeah. uh took it took it by storm, but uh uh still, I wanted to ask you about this Marie. A couple of years later, we got Ken, who was introduced in 1961 named after Ruth's son of the same name. We already said that Kenneth Sean Carson is the doll's full name. Uh, and from 1961, 1977, Ken had straight arms that didn't bend. I believe Barbie as well. A head that could only turn left to right. Hair uh, uh, made of felt, which was replaced with plastic after the first year once they realized the hair would fall off when wet, uh, which must have been terrifying for a lot of little girls. We talked about your relationship to Barbie, Marie, but what was your relationship to Ken? There wasn't one. Oh. <laughs> Just uninterested? Like, was he even in the mix or did you only have Barbie dolls? I think I had a Ken. Maybe. Wow. But honestly, me and every every uh, girl that I know, every per- every woman I've ever talked to, 
Nobody gave a shit about Ken. <laughs> Ken was there. He was an accessory. He was an accessory. He's just Ken. He was there to further the plot line. <laughs> Whatever the plot was, he was there to be fought over. He was the damsel. Like nobody, Ken's clothes, nobody, no, nobody gave a shit. That is I funny. Didn't, I didn't care. Nobody cares. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, you know, there was also Barbie's kind of greater uh, circle of friends to help with the play. Uh, most famously was uh, Midge, who was this freckled kind of teeny kind of uh, uh, what's what's the name? Flying Gidget it was Gidget. Is that like uh, the the like all American teen girl of the fifties? Kind of, of, yeah. Gidget was in surf movies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but Midge had a much younger face. She had much less sophisticated clothes, and she was kind of uh, sold as a balance to Barbie's more cosmopolitan and maybe risque uh, features. Uh, Midge had Alan, her boyfriend. Midge was uh, <laughs> Midge was there to make things uh, right. You know, there were early attempts at uh, multiculturalism with yeah, the unfortunately we'll named Colored Francie. Yep. Who was yep, just a was, different uh, Barbie friend that they added like brown coloring to their skin tone. So it was like kind of upsetting. Great. Now I don't have to say the name of it, but thank you, Jake, for taking that bullet for all of us. <laughs> I, I didn't, I, I didn't know whether or not it's, it's an unfortunate name. That's the name. That's of it, the yeah. name yeah. that we got to say the name. Uh, uh, but, but we'll get to the diversity stuff in a little bit. I will say Midge is introduced in 1963 with a little sister named Skipper in 1964. Uh, any of the other players, were they a big part of your Barbie time or again just kind of background actors like did you have wait because did you have siblings I can't remember I have a younger brother okay so you didn't have a skipper in your life to to throw into the mix no gotcha yeah and I again I don't really know maybe it's because they they still existed in the 80s and 90s but they weren't nearly as prevalent I guess like Mm. We had just I, this, a, yeah. We'll get to that, yeah. but like 80s and 90s was definitely the era where they went full in on like, no, every you get a new Barbie whole cloth every time there's a new Barbie. Uh-huh. And you don't update and build on your existing Barbie because now we have a Barbie that uh, is has a removable mermaid tail and we have a Barbie that like has sparkles on her rollerblades. We have a Barbie, like every new Barbie was its own, like, purchase. And Mm -hmm. the important part was that they were all Barbie. Yes. Yeah. Also during this era in the 60s, we uh, have some innovations, like uh, they introduced the bendy legs. It's it's a patented thing. I believe it was Elliot Handler who personally designed these things. I always found Barbie's weird, like, snappy knees upsetting because they're encased in this, like, rubbery plastic flesh, and they always have to, like, click into place. It always felt like you were breaking them. I'm a Stretch Armstrong guy, all right? So I I hear you on that one, Jake. I mean, please. Mm. 
No snappy knees for this guy. No, the snappy knees make so much sense because Barbie's about the aesthetics right. and you don't want an obvious joint mm-hmm. when she's in her nice dress. Mm-hmm. So having like the clicky knees covered in the weird skin <laughs> feeling stuff was really actually a brilliant move. So here, now we get to immediately uh, get into a lawsuit. The history of Bar- Barbie is quite litigious mm. as well. The first one is from the inventors of Build Lily uh, th- for copyright infringement, of course, specifically infringing on the patent for Build Lily's uh, hip joint and just in general that it was a direct copy of the doll. The case was settled out of court. In 1964, Mattel ends up buying the copyright and patent rights for the Build Lily doll for $21,600, the equivalent of over $200,000 in today money. And uh, that's how they they resolved it. But there you go. When was the Before Cindy? we had Bratz, we had Bill when Lilly. When was Cindy? Oh, I don't know. Because Cindy was another doll. Uh, originally, Cindy was like popular in... Um, oh, no. Cindy lasted till the... Uh, uh, Cindy lasted till the 70s. Okay, never mind. Never mind. Uh, just a weird thing. Yeah, I feel like Cindy didn't make it. Cindy didn't. Yes, I think they. Beat Absolutely. Cindy. This is insane. Uh, in this, just just don't know when we'll get to this, but there was a lawsuit between Hasbro, the maker of Cindy, and Mattel, the makers of Barbie. And as part of the lawsuit for copyright infringement, Hasbro agreed to change Cindy's face to be less Barbie-like, and Mattel actually got to choose from a selection of five prototypes which face Cindy would have. And apparently, even though these were all like in the running to be the next face of the identical to Barbie pretty blonde girl, something about what ha- what Mattel chose was so off-putting that the brand like basically died. <laughs> they found like the, like either it was slightly cross-eyed or the smile was creepy, who knows? But with the Mattel chosen face, Cindy tanked. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, definitely no Cindy. There was not not much Cindy action in my existence, that's for sure. Cindy with an S. Ah, Cindy with an well, S. instead of talking about a property that died, let's talk about a property that thrived. Here's a <laughs> kind of a rundown of the evolution of the Barbie before we get into some of the like deeper hits with the controversies and lawsuits. So just the doll itself, how it evolved. 1962, Barbie got her first dream house, which was actually before women could even open their own bank accounts, which is crazy. She also went to the moon before women could open their own bank accounts. Isn't that insane, Marie? <laughs> That's the craziest thing ever. I can't believe at one point it was like, no way you can open a bank account, Mrs. I. You can't be trusted with any amount. You know, it's so crazy to me. Is your husband here to sign for you? Barbie's right. not married. Barbie's not married. She can't do the math to pay the bills. She'll get lost. <laughs> how tough it is and, and die from math challenges. Uh, uh, so anyways, that's fucking nuts. In 1965, Miss Astronaut Barbie was put on shelves, landing on the moon a few years before Lance Armstrong or getting a bank account. <laughs> Neil Armstrong. Do I do this every time? Greta Gerwig. It's Greta Gerwig. It's My Neil God. Armstrong. I'm just glad we don't Lance do a corrections thing the on this podcast. Cheating man. You kind of know what I'm saying. I'm like that guy that sort of tells the story right. I mean, I know what you're saying. Everybody knows <laughs> what on. you're saying. It's like this is a podcast where we give actual facts and like people go to it for like true knowledge <laughs> on what's going on. And by the way, no, I'm saying the guy that got kicked out of bike riding races for juicing also <laughs> went to the moon and asked about Barbie did it first. I'm not wrong in what I'm saying, Jake. <laughs> Uh, so the first Barbie based on a fashion model came in 1967 with the Twiggy doll based on the famous British model. Uh, this started a reoccurring release of Barbie dolls based on celebrities and fashion icons. 
Uh, and then you've got, uh, oh, okay, so wait, this is a different Christie? Because the first black doll in the Barbie line was Christy, produced in 1968. She had a mod-style outfit and haircut, and this actually wasn't technically the first one, but we already mentioned the first one. The reason why that one doesn't count as much is because they literally just used a different palette on the same doll, Mm -hmm. on the same model of doll. I actually have more of a rundown of the history of Christy, and I will get to that in a little bit, but we're just doing like the quick hits here for how Barbie's changed over the years. Uh, so in 1980, Mattel whoa, put out. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You're you're skipping. You're skipping. Wait, are you are you talking about? Okay, first of all, we got to talk about Malibu Barbie. Yeah, Malibu Barbie was essential. This was like 1970, 1971, okay. and this is when Barbie becomes the quintessential California girl. Yes, and it uh, ushered in a bold new head sculpt. In which Barbie is now looking directly at the fucking. Uh, consumer i guess at the little girl up until that point every barbie doll still had demure look away eyes which uh you know if you're any if you're even if you're an art history weirdo you know that like as soon as the 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 classical nude actually made eye contact with the viewer it was scandalizing like this was a massive thing a lot of people say that like the sexual revolution allowed barbie to like fully like just uh, maintain eye contact where previously that was too much for Americans to handle. But uh, Malibu Barbie was a massive success. Ken also got his like suave California surfer guy makeover. Eh. And it definitely changed the trajectory of the brand. And ma- and it, like Malibu Barbie is the first Barbie that like you can really recognize as a modern Barbie. Uh-huh. That's that's what that's, that's you can't skip Malibu. Sorry, apologies. But I also meant to ask Marie, what did you think about the dream house? And was it like a fantasy house uh, for you as a little girl or was it just uh, like a kid? I mean, I once again, like you touched on this earlier, but the fact that at least the one that I had, which I think looked like the one that came out in the late 60s, but I had the one that was made in the 80s. um, It was violently pink. Every part of it was violently pink and just (laughs) driving home. This was the house that belonged to Barbie. Like that, like she owned it. Right. Like this was this was her space. It was like it was fantastic. Like it was it was it 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 was the perfect backdrop to the theater of Barbie. So there was there was and it had like cool movie bits and like there one had an elevator, little doors swank, came with a thing. Like yeah, it was great. It was a little fucking adventure land that you could like walk around in. Oh, uh, this is like yeah, you're speaking my language. This is my technodrome. Yeah, it's. I mean, I uh, you know the sewer is really the more the one to one, but the technodrome was my like golden like. Was there like a forbidden like? Man, if I just make sure to be real good this year, I can get this incredibly insane Barbie thing that everybody wants. Like, the Technodrome was a thing, like, not every kid could have, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in other words. You know what I mean? It was just so bulky. It was like the aircraft carrier in G.I. Joe. Was there an aircraft carrier in Barbie? I mean, th- that was, it was, it was the dream house. The dream massive. house, right? Yeah. It was oh, it was massive. huge. Uh, it was like four feet long. I'm thinking of it so much smaller in my head, but no, yeah, it's, it's it was enormous. Huge. It's enormous. Because the sewer, it was like the sewer's not that huge, right? Like, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I think as a child, I could lay down next to it and it was like roughly the same. It was as long as I was tall. Right. Like right. it was, it was massive. Because these are 11 inch dolls and they have to be able to stand fully on both, both floors. Right. Like it's, it's, it was a big structure. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, uh, in 1980, Mattel put out the uh, black and Hispanic Barbie. 
Uh, and again, I will get into that li- more into detail on that later. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was a big move forward to have an actual Barbie that is of color. Uh, the plastic ceiling, however, was uh, broken in 1985 when CEO Barbie hit shelves. That's right. Full girl boss in 1985. <laughs> She's always been steeped in uh, fashion. But in 1984, she got the true couture treatment when they partnered with Oscar de la Renta to give Barbie a line of designer clothes. President Barbie hit the scene in 1992, which is very funny because we, 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 the unfunny thing is we still haven't had a female president. 1992, we got President Barbie. Also, she looks exactly like 90s era Hillary Clinton, like the uh-huh. same haircut, we, the same power suits. It's President like, Barbie. yeah, oh, look yeah, that yeah. up. That's amazing. This was the era where like they did all these like Barbie aspirational designs. But they would always have like a what do you a transformation outfit where like if you untucked one thing, unhooked another, and put on like a little like side jacket, she'd be ready to go to the club. Uh-huh. With yeah, mm-hmm. Barbie's mm-hmm. got to be day to night. Da- yeah, uh, that yeah, was day sure. and night Barbie. Day and night Barbie was like she, yeah, that was the working girl Barbie. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, the theme song. I don't April. I don't know if you can get this in, but it's just that we girls can do anything. It's just like that's right. Work from eight to seven and then party from seven to four. Barbie, because it's the 80s and you got cocaine. We can be whatever we want. Ain't just as high as the sky. Anything is possible as long as we try. We girls can do anything. Right, Barbie? Right, Barbie? We love work. Also, just because we haven't done it in a while. April had it! No, come on! In front of my goddamn wife! You son of a bitch! You DK rapped in front of my goddamn wife! Honey, shut your ears. I, you don't need to be exposed to this terrible rap song about monkeys. Also, that same year, by the way, uh, I remember this uh, for sure. Definitely mimicking this fashion of the time and the big hair stuff. Totally hair Barbie, uh, which featured the longest hair on a Barbie yet in very 90s fashion. Did you go hair wild with totally hair Barbie, Marie? Um, I loved totally hair Barbie. <laughs> Needed totally hair Barbie. Everybody had it. Had to have it. Had to have yeah. totally hair 10 Barbie. Million. That was a 10 must. 10 million sold. That was a must. Uh, the tragedy of the bar- giving Barbie her haircut because- Every like, how would a little girl know that rooted polypropylene hair doesn't lay like normal hair does? Just uh, just every toy box in the 90s had one just nightmare frizzy short haired Barbie that was victim to some uh, ambitious little girl wanting to give their Barbie a haircut. Uh, also, God, the heads, if the heads popped off, you can never throw them back on. Right. Mm. They'd always you could always tell. Which Barbies recovered from a fucking decapitation? 
There was, I feel like just so many Barbies ended up just shattered and naked in the bottom of a toy box. Especially if there was a younger or older brother involved. You know what I mean? Then it was just really, what, what an easy way to get, to get back at your uh, sister for some uh, small infraction in the household. I'm going to have to correct you there. It was the girls that destroyed the Barbies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was 100% us. We wanted to see how far we could push all of this. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we played God with Barbies. <laughs> yes. Like, my brother didn't go anywhere near those. Yeah. I was the one they that the strung them on up them. over like a campfire. Like that was. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so trying to keep up with the. Uh, oh, wait, hold on. Wait, uh, uh, on camera. This was like during an ABC news story about Barbie from the 90s. A uh, pre Mama Ru RuPaul uh, talks about how Barbie was such an inspiration for her, mm-hmm. how much uh, Barbie was great. And then she just like uh, had a moment of quiet and was like. I cut the breasts off of mine. I mean, not in like a misogynist way. It was just, you know, just to see what would happen. (laughs) (laughs) You have to. I mean, it's just the natural tendency of the human being. I mean, Barbie is the cinched waist, the broad shoulders. Like, you know, Barbie is built like a drag queen in many ways. So trying to keep up with the times and Barbie's weird relationship with feminism, they put out a line of female heroes based on famous women such as Ava DuVernay, uh, Emmy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say these names wrong probably just because I'm out of my head today for some reason with names. Emmy Rossum, Ava Chin, Kristen Chinowith, Sydney Mayhem Kaiser, and Trisha Yearwood. And a few years later, historical heroes such as Frida Kahlo, which I believe they sued uh, for the Frida Barbie, the Frida estate, um, Catherine Johnson, and Amelia Earhart. Always losing that one. Never being able to find it. Never being able to figure out what happened to it. And more notably, my Amelia Earhart was eaten by <laughs> several crabs. That's what I heard. Mine went insane by some elder god, oh. and uh, ended up, yeah, ended up just imploding into dust. And mo- more notably, in 2016, they introduced new body types for Barbie. Hello, three total: curvy, petite, and tall. Oh, so this so. Uh, t- all the all the old Barbie uh, designers uh, claim that the reason why Barbie had such insane proportions was because uh, when you're making clothings for dolls, the layers of fabric proportionally uh, are become uh, like uh, too thick, and that you need a thinner profile for the clothes to look normal on uh, on a doll sized figure. That is their claim. That it is a just a natural byproduct of having to sell tiny clothes to children and that they did not intend for the Barbies uh, supermodel like proportions to be an avatar or a guide for future generations. Uh, That being said, uh, even intentional or not, you get a bunch of eight year olds uh, like getting a glimpse at their first female form and seeing Barbie. It warps minds like the the past. I mean, and future is littered with women who have like undergone insane plastic surgery, gone through insane diets, really striving for those Barbie proportions. And it feels like every generation or like every five years, there's a new hot blonde lady with Barbie proportions that is elevated as the most beautiful woman in our society. Like it's just, um, it's just, yeah, I don't know if I buy that particular line that uh-huh. was like, oh, gosh, darn it. The clothes right, don't right. fit right. We got to do this. Yeah. And, and and speaking of the proportions, this is the caves behind their house of the Barbie episode. <sighs> and uh, we're getting into the controversy stuff. But yes, uh, Barbie had impossible proportions. Five foot nine inches tall with a 39 inch bust. 
18 inch waist, 33 inch hips, and a size three shoe. And yeah, it was supposed to represent the perfect Western woman uh, and a teaching tool for femininity. She received her fair share of controversy, of course, with all of this. She literally wouldn't be able to walk with those proportions. Um, and and uh, I trigger warning for like eating disorder stuff as as uh, just for a little bit here. But studies have shown Barbies are connected to anorexia in children, with most extreme case being Barbie syndrome, a body dysmorphic disorder in which folks attempt to alter their bodies in order to actually look and live like Barbie. For example, Lacey Wilde, also known as the Million Dollar Barbie, set out to become what is referred to as, quote, the extreme Barbie, end quote, by getting 12 breast augmentation surgeries, spending uh, over $250,000 in the process and we kind of already hit on it Maria is there anything else you want to add to this whole part of it with with that I mean do, do you was do, do you think you were affected by Barbie at all like um in this I mean you already said you were a little bit but yeah it was just um anything else to add I mean I don't know were you obsessed with the Barbie twins famous pinup models and Spencer Gifts poster oh model? my buddy Pat had a poster of them in his uh, bedroom in high school they had a whole wing at Spencer Gifts oh there was just God. an entire section dedicated to them I at did. Spencer Gifts so it did affect me but I think it, there's part of it that has to be taken with a grain of salt uh-huh. because any little girl playing with a Barbie is, yeah, going to be like, okay, I, I need to be skinny to be, you know, whatever. Like that isn't the the cosmic background radiation of, of your brain when you're a little girl and being thin is what you're told you're supposed to do. But also her feet didn't flatten uh-huh. at all. And like, I mean, that's all plot point in the movie. And then, yeah, yeah. But like, mm. we, we know that feet are supposed to flatten. Right. Like, so there was, there was, it was both. It was both where like, we realized, it, and you know, she was smooth. Like she, she was a doll. She was a doll. Yeah. And we realized that some of this was part of being a You've doll. You've never seen a house that pink before. I mean, I'm sure they exist, but it's not like the, you know, it's not like a normal occurrence. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't have genitals. Yeah. So, uh, you know. But I can understand how culturally Barbie became a representation of the, like, absolute batshit beauty standards that are put upon women. Like, Barbie is a perfect example of that which exists. So I wonder if it's the difference between like what you said before, where it was like the intention was for her to be this representation, uh, idealization of the fantasy of your future life. But you, Marie, are like, no, I was just, they were, it was a, we were creating plot lines. And like, I wasn't necessarily being like, I, Marie, will one day be this Barbie living in this dream house. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it's different between that and a little girl who goes, yes, this is who I want to be when I grow up. This is like the life I want to live and projecting all of that stuff onto the Barbie maybe would lead to Barbie syndrome or whatever they call it uh, a little bit more so. You know what I mean? Whereas like you were never like, yeah, this is how I'm going to live. I'm going to be driving this kind of car with, you know, the fact that you weren't even looking at Ken is like, this is what my husband will be like. You know what I mean? You weren't doing any of that. So ironically enough, it is what your husband looks like. Yeah. I mean, that is true. You didn't land a bit of a Ken. Yeah. I think it's all part of what you might get into later, uh, which is as Barbie, like the whole, uh, doesn't Mattel own own American girl dolls as well now? Yes. So do they? They've become wildly popular and their biggest, most popular line is the dolls that you can customize to look exactly like yourself. Uh huh. So if Barbie 
had when I was a child come with like brown curly hair or like a little bit chubby or whatever, but still came with like all the cool outfits and got to do all the fun stuff and had the fun accessories. I would have gotten a Barbie that looked like me and then just played with all the cool shit. Mm. I bet it was actually little blonde girls that were told they were like Barbie or like that. Mm. You know what I mean? I think that they were more susceptible probably to that kind of issue. Yeah. If you are closer to that ideal, the pressure for you to actually reach it is so high. Yeah. And I do believe that I escaped some of that because I have looked like a mom of three since I was about 12. (laughs) So like there was no chance of me becoming a fashion mama. No, like, mama three Barbie came out in 2002. You just yeah, missed well, it. <laughs> well, in, in 1970, they had, uh, they had uh, Nona Barbie who was Nona Sicilian <laughs> and her right, hair the, smelled like uh, yeah. marinara. They also had military, di- Fellini Barbie. military yeah. divorcee Barbie came out <laughs> in 1997. <laughs> yeah. She's always has a bottle of vodka in her hand. <laughs> So another thing was as much as they gave Barbie awesome jobs, like biologist or astronaut, they also messaged some pretty rough stuff to girls. Uh, You know, and again, this is the um, getting into another Caves Behind Your House with math is tough. But but even before that, 1965, they released Slumber Party Barbie. It included a scale set at 110 pounds and a diet book on how to lose weight, which only gave one tip. And that was don't eat Mm -hmm. like literally Controversy uh, uh, didn't surround just her body, of course. It was also her brain. This is where we get to math class uh, is tough. Uh, 1992, Teen Talk Barbie was introduced um, and uh, featured a voice box, though. And and yes, math that apparently it was like a ton of different possible things she could say in any one Barbie. And it was like randomly sorted. But there was also stuff like, will we ever have enough clothes? And let's plan our dream wedding. And uh, stuff like, I want to go shopping alongside stuff like, I'm studying to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, want to have a pizza party, which is totally innocuous. Uh, wouldn't you love to be a lifeguard? Let's have a campfire. Like, it was like kind of mixed in, but, but there was still. To, according to Mattel, there were over 200 million possible combinations. Yeah. And uh, of the available ones, only 1.5% of the dolls sold could, was even capable of saying uh, math is tough. For the record, I still love that uh, without this, we wouldn't have one of my favorite episodes of The Simpsons, Lisa versus Malibu Stacy. Yeah, it's If the best. only for one of my favorite jokes in Simpsons history, where after Lisa discovers how sexist Malibu Stacy is, comes up to her friends and is like, hey, have you noticed your Malibu Stacy is saying weird stuff? And one girl immediately gets up and says, I've noticed. And she pulls the string and the doll just goes, my spidey sense is tingling. Has anybody called for a web slinger? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that's based on a true thing as well. What we're about to get to mm-hmm. uh, just before that, uh, the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics and the American Association of University Women uh, ended up uh, really voicing a big negative reaction. And Mattel did remove the line from future dolls initially an apology this uh also though did spur the barbie liberation organization in the 90s a group that said about switching the voice boxes in barbies and gi joes to highlight the absurd contrast in gender norms of these dolls they were pretty scrappy about it too they did this to around 300 to 500 dolls and initially what they would do is they would they would replace them in toy stores near uh like news 
offices, like mm. news buildings, in hopes that a reporter would just happen to buy a doll like for their kid and 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 find it out and try to get in the news. Um, they also provided detailed instructions on how to perform this surgery on the dolls, so others could follow suit if they wanted. Uh, and you know, it was, it was a cool, yeah. And and it it is you know totally ridiculous. I wonder what it's. I didn't even know what the landscape. I guess I'll find out what the landscape's like in just a couple of years now when it comes to gender norms and dolls and all this sort of thing. But it is so egregious and crazy because it would just be like justice is served and stuff like that, or like yeah, like all this like very violent talk. Laying down suppressive fire. Hold down the fortifications. Right. So even in 2014, Mattel put out a Barbie book called I Can Be a Computer Engineer, in which Barbie is bad with computers, and so she gets two male engineers to help get rid of a virus on the computer for her. This is the included book. All they had to do, because the doll itself is just a Barbie with a computer and a desk job. Who wrote the book? (laughs) I did. I want to talk to them. It says here Judith Miller. Is that one? Is that? Interesting. (laughs) The, uh, The other books in the I Can Be series is what that Barbie was a part of were uh, good at their jobs generally. And and this, so this was a weird anomaly. And eventually Mattel removed the book from the marketplace. So oh, can we talk about Happy Family Midge in 2003? Oh, yeah. Lay, I don't have that one. Lay it on me. Oh, my God. And t- so Midge has a very vital role in the Barbie canon because Barbie can never get married. Barbie is a single woman aged 19 to 20. <laughs> and uh, so for a wedding set... They got the wedding of Midge and Alan uh, with Barbie as the maid of honor. And so uh, in 2003, they released the Happy Family line starring Midge. And um, Midge came with a plastic pregnancy belly held onto her torso with magnets. And inside the belly was a folded up plastic baby. And with alongside uh, obstetrician Barbie, you could deliver the baby and act out uh, Midge's happy family life. And it was uh, pretty popular, except for the fact that uh, Midge was sold by herself with no wedding ring and uh, alarmed parents thought that they were uh, uh, basically approving single teen pregnancy. So Walmart took the doll off the shelves. They re-released the doll with a painting of Alan behind Midge on the box just to be assured, like, don't worry, she's a married woman for the love of God. And they got rid of the belly thing and the baby just came separate as its own play play thing. I know, obviously, what's the point of a Barbie doll if you can't do some weird body horror shit? I don't know. But that was another uh, moment where Barbie was in trouble with uh, the news, which I just find so hilarious. So the fir- going back to the diversity stuff, the first black Barbie was designed by Lavinia Kitty Black Perkins. Kitty is the nickname. Black's the middle name, by the way. That sounds confusing. I'm looking at the quote, so it's easier for me to read it. Uh, who was also the first black designer for Mattel. She grew up poor, and so was only ever to play with the white dolls handed down to her. After high school, she moved to Los Angeles to get into the fashion business and got a fashion degree from the Los Angeles Trade Technical College. Then she applied for a job at Mattel and ended up purchasing her very own first Barbie doll the day before the interview. After getting the job, she was eventually tasked with creating the first Black Barbie. Perkins said, when I did Black Barbie, I gave her a short natural with a pick. My whole intent was to make the doll look like us. I at one time had a short natural myself, and I loved it. It was something I wanted this doll to have. 
She initially uh, came with a red bodysuit and a snap disco skirt. Perkins really wanted her to stand out. The box read, she's black, she's beautiful, she's dynamite. (laughs) When the doll hit shelves, Perkins said, what was gratifying to me was that their reaction was, oh, mommy, look at the doll. She looks just like me, or she has pretty skin. That kind of reaction, and that was very, very rewarding for me. And I think that's one of the sweeter tales of this whole thing, Um, for sure. It's also key that... like, you know, it wasn't Christie. It wasn't uh, Francine. It right. Wasn't, it was Barbie. It was black Barbie. Yeah. Um, and that legacy actually still holds up to this day in modern Barbie lore. Uh, Barbie is kind of now a deuteragonist with black Barbie uh, being with her along the side. I believe it was um, Barbie in the big city introduced Barbie going to Brooklyn for a music career and making friends with an African-American woman also named Barbie, and they were both Barbie. They casually refer to each other as Malibu and Brooklyn uh, as fun nicknames, but Black Barbie is still a massive part of the Barbie franchise to this day. I didn't even realize how big of a deal it was until Marie earlier talked about how unimportant Midge and Skipper and Ken were to her. So, man, it was so important to have that for for young uh, people of color, you know? I mean, for, And uh, unfortunately, Hispanic Barbie, released the same year, was not as uh, powerful. She had a peasant poncho, a mm. mantilla, and she kind of was described as looking like a refugee from an amateur production of Carmen. Ooh. Why do I feel like the, the, the creator of Black Barbie was black? Why do I feel like maybe the Hispanic Barbie not did not get the same treatment? <laughs> that's probably what that's really what that sounds like. Kitty Black Perkins was also very responsible for a lot of like very memorable Barbie designs of the 80s and early mm-hmm, 90s. Mm-hmm. A lot of what we now consider the maximalist Barbie core of like shiny satin fabrics and ruffles and just everything that uh, is now having a massive resurgence with the movie can be uh, kind of drawn back to uh, Kitty Black Perkins' influence on the brand during her time there. Yeah, she's a huge deal. She's really, really important to the whole like Barbie story. So it was awesome. It was awesome to find a little interview with her to hear hear some of what she had to say. Um, yeah, let's talk about Bratz. Shit really heated up with yeah. Bratz dolls hit the market. They were uh, all right. First of all, Marie, what uh, was Bratz after your time? Past probably day. past your past time, right? Past my time. Yeah, just what do you think you would have been into a more like street savvy? No, kind- Marie would have been a Monster High girl. Uh, I know this immediately. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I would have been a Monster High girl. That's right. <laughs> I forgot about Monster High. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of time difference, but like if we're dealing with like. The, if we're dealing with that era of fashion doll, I feel like. Right. But the, you know, the brats uh, in the book that I've been reading uh, for research purposes, uh, it's uh, it's it's uh, Forever Barbie, the unauthorized biography of a real doll. The author describes, uh, you know, in the 2000s, seeing a group of girls playing with brats dolls and doing all the role play and doing all the dress up and like really having like their their avatars are these brats dolls. Um, but when one of the Bratz girls gets sick, they immediately call in Dr. Barbie that like Barbie is still there as like the competent adult in the room, but not the like cool, rebellious fashion icon that they truly want to be at that age. Mm -hmm. So they were invented by Carter Bryant, who was working at Mattel at the time designing clothes for Barbie. Interesting. This is the basis for the for the upcoming lawsuit. The, these were bratty-looking teenagers in doll form with bigger heads and, quote, a passion for fashion. He created them using extra doll parts he found in the trash at Mattel. 
and he sold his idea to Mattel competitor MGA Entertainment two weeks before he quit his job at Mattel in 2001. Jade, Chloe, Yasmin, and Sasha hit the scene uh, uh, during that time uh, at the in the early aughts. They were described as urban and street and offered a different vibe for girls who love dolls. And this is what leads to a Mattel versus MGA lawsuit. I mean, at the end of the day, it seems pretty airtight. I guess what happened was it, it it slowly but surely came to Mattel's attention that MGA was trying to sweep under the rug that it was Carter Bryant who created this and sold it to them because they knew they would be in some legal shit because Carter Bryant did sign a document saying everything he came up with at Mattel belonged to Mattel. And he's literally using Barbie doll parts to pitch this thing to MGA. So I kind of agree with Mattel on this one. Actually, uh, it's a little it's it's a little shady, uh, you know. Uh, so the court initially ruled in favor of Mattel, granting them one hundred million dollars. They sought one billion, but then MGA managed to appeal this decision and win the final verdict, and that netted them three hundred ten million dollars instead. I mean, I guess I like that Bratz won in the sense that I like competition in the marketplace. You know what I mean? I don't like like it's clear that. Mattel and Barbie are trying to be the absolute only option, and I I think people should have options in general when it comes to this sort of thing. I don't like bullying and trying to shut people down, but I mean, he did sign a document saying he wasn't gonna, you know, do what he Mm -hmm. did. So it is what it is. But it was a long, crazy knockdown, drag out battle. It lasted years and years and years. And Bratz did fuck with the Barbie market pretty hard. Bratz Bratz was pretty popular and was the first real instance of of uh, Barbie kind of getting, you know, fucked by the competition. And so I think it was a huge deal for them uh, to try to shut Bratz down. So it was pretty wild. But, like, everybody got sued. It was insanely litigious and all that good stuff. Um, Now, all that I have left is Barbie movie shit, Jake and Marie. Either of you guys uh, have anything to add to the dolls before we get into the movie stuff? I just really, like, we are barely scratching the surface. The Barbie fandom is so complete and all-encompassing. There's a huge collector's market, which I didn't get super into, but of course there are Barbies out there that go for thousands and thousands of dollars at auction. You gotta make sure that your OG Barbie has the holes in the feet for the shoes, otherwise it's just a a reproduction and that's worthless. Uh, but you know, there are people that track down the minutia of the doll's designs. They have like code names for every head sculpt that has ever been released. There's fans of the lore, uh, people that have kept track of all these separate characters and their in-canon relationships. There's people that love the Barbie comic books released by Marvel. Um, we, the two thousands were almost completely, uh, dictated by the, uh, directed DVD movies Uh, Stuff like Barbie and the Nutcracker, Barbie as Rapunzel, Barbie of Swan Lake, Barbie Fairytopia, and yes, the TikTok memefied Barbie as Princess and the Pauper. Uh, Maybe you don't know what I'm talking about, but maybe you've heard this audio on your vertical uh, video scroll one or 2,000 times. April, could you play just a little bit of uh, You're Just Like Me? If I'd like to have my breakfast hot, Madam Carp will make me pay. And I have to fetch the eggs myself and the barn's a mile away. It's cold and wet, yet still I get an omelet on my plate. But in my head, I'm back in bed, snuggled up and sleeping late. Really? Really. But it's all right. I mean, I'm used to it. And you? Well, well, if I want some eggs, I ring the bell and the maid.
maid comes running in, and she serves them on a silver tray, and she brings a cookie tin. And while I eat, she rubs my feet, and strolling minstrels play. But I'd rather be in my library reading science books all day. Just like you, you are. You're just like me. There's somewhere else we'd rather be. These early ones were made by Mainframe Entertainment, aka the same company that did uh, Reboot and Beast Wars, which is just a fun little thing that I find fascinating. And uh, these Barbie movies really just kept chugging along until around the uh, mid 20 aughts. Around 2015, sales kind of declined as streaming took over. But uh, if you look at any major streamer, everything from Netflix to Amazon Prime to Hulu, you are just awash in Barbie media that kind of uh, directed play and allowed Barbie to become characters. If you wanted a fairy Barbie, you could be fairy-topia Barbie and she would have her own kind of desires and character and it like kind of fed into how they wanted kids to play as Barbie uh, you know, there was so many different Barbie had like kind of an identity crisis up through the 2000s oh, yeah. because things like Bratz and uh, Monster High and, and just, all of these. different. If, if it lives long enough, it starts to become a relic of a different mm-hmm. time. It's just such a 80s, yeah. 90s yeah. thing by the time. You, That's you know why Bratz I mean? hit as hard as it did. Because right. At that point, Barbies were what your mom played with. Yeah. Barbies weren't anything new or exciting barbie was an adult in your head and brats were teenagers yeah but the same thing that made brats exciting which is they were an ensemble there was like was there a clear leader no i think they were just like all friends like they all had different personalities they all had different looks and like that's how girls played with barbies as like a, you know, there are a bunch of them. It was never just one Barbie. Yeah, there was no girl boss. They were all together in one ego. It was a communist yeah. Barbie. Why would you fantasize about having a job? <laughs> Jobs suck. <laughs> but that, yeah, but that's also what makes Bratz like a, a, not a relic of its time, but it's it's not, you can't grow with that because once you have the established character, once you have the the established relationships, like you just have to keep creating new ones. Barbie is forever Barbie. Barbie can be anything. So that's why we still have Barbie and Bratz are, when's the last thing Bratz thing came out? Like 2013 maybe? Oh, really? Or something? I didn't even know if they were still on the market or not. Sounds right. I think they sold it in 2018 or something. Right. Yeah. But there was definitely whiplash and identity crisis happening in Barbie land during the 2000s and the 2010s. Uh, okay, are we doing Paris Hilton? Okay, uh-huh. she's like wearing midriff shirts and like tight jeans. Oh, no, no, Bratz is doing it better. Fuck. Uh, oh, everyone's mad at us. Okay, more approachable Barbie. Down home Barbie. How's that? Does that work? No, because little girls and moms want a pink fantasy. They don't want like, uh, okay, well, we made the different body types. That Shit. Now we got to make clothes for four different body types. No, We're losing girls money. and moms want to, we want superheroes. Yeah. That's what we want. Yeah. We want our own mm. version of superheroes. We want to be princesses, fairies. That's why Frozen blo- yeah. blew the doors off because it was finally a, um, a princess. Because Elsa's a superhero. But she has fucking magic powers and shit. She, she could, she, yeah, she's got mutant abilities. So Powers and agency. That's yeah. all little girls want. That's all. That's why that is so obviously just became such a massive hit for for because it, it was just their answer to much less like female representation in Marvel and shit, but still like I think even Frozen's even more powerful than that for for the audience. Oh yeah, and the one piece of media of all, after all the DVD movies, after all of the everything, uh, 2012's Barbie Life in the Dream House. 
uh, was kind of the beginning of Barbie kind of reclaiming her legacy and just like existing as Barbie, where it was this kind of CG animated reality show with like talking head uh, cutaways and all this stuff. It was a comedy series. The dolls were presented with like their joints visible. So like these were Barbie dolls living in a Barbie girls living in a Barbie world. Life is plastic. It's fantastic. You can touch her hair. Don't undress her anywhere, though. That's forbidden. Oh, yeah, there was a lawsuit over that, by the way. I didn't even mention the Aqua lawsuit. That that was just, it really was. <laughs> that got dismissed. They tried to shut that song down. Hey, Aqua lawsuit. <laughs> All right, Jake. Please. Oh, no, no. But uh, <laughs> finally, like, uh, but by 2015, Barbie as a self-reflexive maximalist thing finally, like, settled in. And Barbie really could be anything. Barbie could live in an all pink dream house with a robot closet or on one Netflix movie. She could be on a road trip trying to figure out who she really is and whether she wants to go steady with Ken and be grounded and relatable. There was the Barbie vlogs where they made like Barbie a YouTuber for a couple of years. Like they they kind of Barbie kind of finally found footing and stopped trying to follow trends and just exist as Barbie. Well, also in 2017, we finally got bank account Barbie to mark <laughs> that very same year, finally letting women open up their own bank accounts. I can't believe it took that long, but uh, it was very, very important. The APR <laughs> rate is ideal considering the market. Oh <laughs> All right, let's get into the Barbie movie yeah, uh, yeah, directed yeah, yeah. by Greta Gerwig, uh, who also co-wrote with her partner Noah Baumbach and starring uh, Margot Robbie as, which is also Robbie Robbie, whatever, as Barbie with Ryan Gosling playing Ken. Development began way, way back in 2009 when Mattel signed on with Universal Pictures to develop a film based on the franchise. I think I said this out loud during the podcast and not before, but yeah, I feel like this is definitely at the time when they were like, there was a Battleship movie and a Candyland movie in the works. We're post-Iron Man, everything is up for grabs. Yeah, Uh, Franchise, recognizable brands as movie jump off. So I don't think it really started with like the best intentions per se, but it just found, thankfully it got into the hands of Margot Robbie. Like if it weren't for her, I don't think this thing would be good. At one point though, they did bring in Diablo Cody to rewrite the screenplay. And in 2016, Amy Schumer was tapped to play the lead role. Diablo Cody talks about her struggles to make the script work, felt it was also a sign of the times and something has changed since then. She said, when I was first hired for this, I don't think the culture had, uh, not embrace the femme or the bimbo as valid feminist archetypes yet. If you look up Barbie on TikTok, you'll find this wonderful subculture that celebrates the feminine. But in 2014, taking this skinny blonde white doll and making her into a heroine was a tall order. This was when we were like laughing at Paris Hilton, not like kind of holding her up as this like icon, I feel like Mm -hmm. today, right? Like, it was just a completely different time for that. I totally get what they're saying with that. She talks about how everybody was like, just do a Lego movie. Just do a Lego movie. Uh Because the Lego movie did the impossible, which was make this total like toy tie-in brand happy experience that actually had something meta to say about the nature of childhood, the nature of toys, the nature of parental relationships as it relates to toys and all of this stuff in a way that was funny and clever and poignant and heartfelt. And she was just like, well, fuck. They, well, they did the impossible. Do you, I can't just copy them. Uh, but it really, 
yeah, I honestly would have loved to see, even with Diablo Cody's very dated millennial slang, <laughs> I would have loved to well, see. Well, Diablo Cody couldn't even finish a script. She said she's failed harder at this assignment than like anything she's ever done. She just could not make it work. She just, I mean, you know at one point she she'd couldn't be like, it. oh my God, this uh, convertible is awesome sauce. Yeah. Like, you know that line yeah, would be Oh, yeah, there. totally. Uh, to aqua, aqua trial or whatever it was you said earlier. The project, <laughs> the project continued to change writers and producers until Margot Robbie was attached to play Barbie and produce, then offered the writing directing gig to Greta Gerwig. And Gerwig offered up Noah Baumbach for the gig, told him after the fact, to which he balked. He was like, why would you sign me up for this? I don't want to do this. I don't think I have an idea in me for this. And she was like, I've got a feeling about it. Just go with me on this. And then Gerwig said, it's not like a superhero who already has a story. It felt very much like it was going to be an adaptation, except that what we were adapting is a doll, an icon of the 20th century. It felt complicated enough, sticky enough, strange enough that maybe there could be something interesting to be discovered. But then pandemic happens. So they're trying to figure out how to like f- create a story with this doll and then they get trapped in a box. They get into a situation where they are in this s- space that they can't get out of and be freed from. And that's clearly part of the sauce that that went into the screenplay that they're working on now, which is very obvious. Like, Barbie leaves Barbie Land, goes into the real world. We, we already know this to be true uh, as a way to, like, find herself and things like that. Gerwig is playing off of the original concept of Barbie as a toy. She said, the idea of Barbie herself being constrained in multitudes, the idea that self is dispersed among many people, that all of these women are Barbie and Barbie is all of these women, that's pretty trippy to begin with. And the sense that she is continuous with her environment, that there really is no internal life at all because there is just no need to have an internal life. And that's kind of where Roby got to as well as she was struggling with her character. Gerwig recommended an episode of the podcast This American Life about a woman who doesn't introspect how like we all have a voice in her head it was about this woman who doesn't have that and and that was the main kind of impetus for the character which already is just so much more fascinating than I would have ever thought a Barbie movie would be trying to do I'm so excited for this movie I mean dear god (laughs) the, the, the story that her original film treatment wasn't like a like act one act two she like wrote an abstract wrote a poem. poem yeah <laughs> and pitched the poem and they were like uh, yeah uh, they even were like they read the first script and were like oh man it's so sad this will never get made mm-hmm. you know just assuming that the you know executives or whatever would never let uh, the studio would never let it go through but it did there's also a parenting book Gerwig read when she was younger that influenced the film about how kids are incredibly expressive and outspoken until they hit puberty and then they just stop as the external and internal forces compel them to just like turtle up essentially um uh also well barbie is complicated she breaks boundaries for women and girls while simultaneously being a symbol for the body dysmorphia and shitty girl stereotypes and that definitely flows into the film as well or feeds into it just before filming gerwig hosted a barbie sleepover at a london hotel with members of the cast the kins could swing through but not stay for the night Mm -hmm. she prefers a very open collaborative set approach to filming and bonding is important so that was like one of those kinds of things uh robbie and uh, gerwig chose the rest of the cast based on their understanding of quote barbie energy this is described by robbie as uh using gal gadot as an example gal gadot is uh barbie energy 
energy because Gal Gadot is so impossibly beautiful, but you don't hate her for being that beautiful because she's so genuinely sincere mm-hmm. and she's so enthusiastically kind that it's almost dorky. It's like right before being a dork. Gal Gadot, by the way, was unable to do the movie, but she was definitely offered uh, to be a part of it. Also, imagine oh all the people. <laughs> Did that heal you? Yeah. Did that heal you at all, Marie? It's okay. You can say During that it our most you. trying time. <laughs> uh, and the only thing I really have is the fun fact about the set design that's kind of a case on your house as well. They used so much pink paint that the shade Pantone 219 underwent an international shortage oh, I'm so for uh, a for good wa- uh, moment in time. So there you go. Also, <laughs> yeah. I guess I didn't get into the Barbenheimer shit, but yeah, Barbie yeah, whatever. releases in July of 2023 alongside Oppenheimer. Just go look up Barbenheimer. It's mm-hmm. the can, I do love the fan-made posters trying to combine the two mm-hmm. film concepts. They are endlessly fun to look at. So thank you for making those people in the world. And that is Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Greta Gerwig does an abstract poem. She's a icon. <laughs> but fucking Oppenheimer goes on his I am fucking destroyer of worlds thing. Everybody calls him a nerd. I get it. I get it. Uh that is pretty much all I've got. And my thesis is just that Barbie is complicated. And uh it's it's just such a complicated, interesting. Uh, it, it never wasn't complicated because of its absolute origins being this like horny man doll from Germany. So I just loved learning about this today and uh, getting more insight. Uh, Marie, any any more any other takeaways before we get out of here? I don't think I'd be as excited for this movie if it wasn't the fantastic combination of Greta Gerwig and yep. Margot Robbie. Yep. Um, the one thing that and. Uh, at the time of recording, I've not seen this. I'm so pumped. I really hope it turns out. I feel I have a good feeling. I have a good feeling. But I heard or I, I read a thing about uh, Greta Gerwig's set, which is that not only did Greta Gerwig like dress in, dress in pink every day, which I think is such a vibe while directing the Barbie movie, yeah. but she had everybody on set wear name tags. Huh. And just that alone makes me trust her with Barbie mm-hmm. because the, everybody is of equal power. Yes. Everybody has a voice. Every no, nobody is intimidated because everybody has everybody's name right there. Yeah, and just like in the world of Barbie, where everyone is Barbie, like everybody is the own their own protagonist of their own story of their own thing. Like it just. It speaks to what I want this movie to be, mm-hmm. and I'm very excited to see it. Reading interviews with her, I got so hype on her whole process. Like, yeah. on every movie she's going to make in the future, by the way. I'm a huge Credit Gerwig fan. I yeah. loved Little Women. I loved Lady Bird. I loved uh, Frances Ha. Oh, I loved Frances Ha, yeah. Huge fan of just so, all of her work as an actor, director, everything. So I was so thrilled to see that that was the case. And Margot Robbie, I think, is incredible. I think she's an amazing actor. And a little inside in, Henry, who worked with her on Wolf of Wall Street, Street said she was the sweetest, kindest, <laughs> most awesome, chill person on the set. She was so n- cool to him. And, uh, uh, you know, that's I, Australian I accent bias. Yeah. You, any interaction with someone with an Australian accent, you just go, man, bless you, Bogan. They're kind of they're, they're real cool. Wait, Marie, I just I need to ask because uh, you I feel like you are the voice of aesthetics, at least in this household. Uh, what do you think about the Barbie core? What do you think about the Gen Z maximalism? What do you think about the resurgence of pink and glitter as a viable form of self-expression? Um, I think as we descend further and further into late stage capitalism and the extreme gender norms that are thrust upon us by patriarchy and which goes hand in hand with capitalism, that the um, the Gen Z desire to rail against it by 
not um, rejecting it, but instead leaning into it so hard that it becomes a caricature of itself. Because be thin and and pretty and do your makeup every day is very different than what Gen Z is doing, which is like drawing insane abstract art in makeup on their faces and like, and not dressing for the particular male gaze, but instead just for, for dopamine, for vibes, man. <laughs> like it is, it's upsetting because it is within the constraints of capitalism, patriarchy, but it is the most rebellion that is available to them currently and they're doing it. So I'm, did any of that make sense? Yes. I'm, I'm vibe. I, I'm enjoying it. it. I'm enjoying it. I am too. And in a, in a more perfect world, it would be a complete rejection, but that's not the world that we live in. Yeah. So I like where they're going with it. And I feel that the Barbie movie is going to embrace that. Yeah. That reality in which we live. Totally. So, so you're saying they're Barbie girls in a Barbie world. Did you literally ask me that question just so you could follow up with that line? I would not put it past you to do that. No, no, I genuinely value your opinions, and I think you're a, you're a cutie. There you go. That's our show. Before the argument begins, let's get it off the microphone. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us on the Barbie episode. If you'd like to follow us further, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. That's patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. For uh, all of your bonus content needs, for five bucks a month, you get a weekly bonus episode, ad-free episodes from the main feed as well and pre-sale ticket codes all sorts of stuff for $15 a month as I mentioned earlier in the episode you can join us every Sunday for our Sunday study session we uh, hung out and looked at a bunch of Barbie commercials and stuff like that and watched wait we watched some scenes from Malibu Stacy <laughs> the Simpsons episode but anyways check us out there twitch.tv forward slash holdenators ho twitch.tv forward slash holdenators ho and um, who wants to go next I feel like I should have let Marie go first I'm glad we did the plug in the very beginning <laughs> No, that's okay. I'll go. I'll go last. You can go, Jake. It's fine. I mean, I'll wait my turn. I mean, if you, however, you support either of us, it puts food in our fridge. I, I drank too much coffee. That's my excuse. <laughs> no, you're fine. Please. No, don't worry. I may go last, but Barbie will come first. Mm. <laughs> uh, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Best Jake Young, on Threads at Best Jake Young, on Instagram at Best Jake Young. I'm the Best Jake Young. There's no arguing. I have all the screen names. Uh, and also go to twitch.tv slash puppet Jared for the uh, weekly cartoon dumpster Thursday, 7 p.m. A rollicking carnival of animated atrocities hosted by my little VTuber guy, the purple one, Mr. Felty, Puppet Jared. It's a great hang. If you like the show, you'll love that. But that's uh, only one day a week. If you really want to have fun on Twitch, where should we go? Hi, everybody. I'm Marie and I co-work <laughs> on, on stream with you. I can co-work with you if you've never experienced co-working before. Uh, it's like hanging out online with your coworkers, but they're people you actually like. <laughs> so <laughs> you can find me every uh, Monday through Thursday from six, no, from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash oop Marie, O-O-P Marie. I do co-working. It's very uh, ADHD geared. Uh, and we, uh, we, we do Pomodoros. We, we focus and then we have fun at breaks and we get stuff done and it's really lovely. So you should come hang out. Hell yeah. It's awesome. I, I love, I love checking in on it and I always rate it. Check out Oop Marie on Twitch and hey, that's our show. Always remember, never stop whizzing. And always be Barbie. Yay, Barbie. <laughs> This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. 
Hot off the press from Maybelline New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Cocoa Zing, and more. An extra large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.